this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Well, you're in for a treat today. When I found out that Mike Evans was in the United States, we were with him in Israel. He is the founder of Friends of Zion, an amazing ministry. They have 52 million followers on Facebook. He's done more for the nation of Israel than any ministry that I'm aware of. Presently, we're partnering with them to build the Holocaust Survivors Center. He is a, it's an amazing a full city block construction site going on as I speak. Not only to build rooms and apartments to clothe, feed, house Holocaust survivors but also terrorist attack survivors. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful ministry. But Mike has a message that he shares on favor. And I thought it fit so well, this series, that I could not miss the chance to invite him to come and impart. This is not a sermon. This is a message from God. There's supernatural favor on Mike's life. He meets with presidents. He meets with world leaders. He meets with with people all over the world, ambassadors. As a matter of fact, I was with him on this trip when he was given the Lion of Judah Award by 200 ambassadors, the prime minister and all kinds, the mayor of Jerusalem. That happened this week. And we've got him in the house today. I want you to get ready for the favor of God. Give a warm welcome. First time. To Dr. Mike Evans. Bless you, Mike. Be blessed. What an honor to be here today with my dear friend. And your work is doing great in Jerusalem. It's real. You may be seated. Yes, I'm speaking today on living in the favor of God. I am living in the favor of God. I've had Three conversations with the Prime Minister of Israel in the last seven days. Two meetings with crown princes in the last 14 days. Two meetings with presidents in the last 14 days. And 23 ambassadors in the last... By the way, the Russian ambassador, 48 hours ago before I left. And it's not about me. I'm going to talk to you about what happens when you have the favor of God. The Bible you hold, the New Testament in Hebrew, I'm Jewish by birth, my mother's Orthodox, is called Brit Hadashah. It means new covenant or blood covenant. And when Paul talked to the saints, he didn't call them saints. He called them the Hasids or the covenant keepers. He would say to the promise keepers in Ephesus, to the promise keepers in Galatia, so everything was based upon a blood covenant or a, pro- or a promises to promise keepers. Hebrew says this, whereby is giving us to exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be a t- partaker of his divine nature. Now, one of the first promises that I've ever spoken in my life that transformed my life was Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. I'm going to talk to you about the DNA of God. Say DNA. DNA. Everybody has it. And the DNA that you have, your physical DNA, determines everything in the physical realm. The doctors can tell you that. 
They can, they can analyze everything about you by your physical DNA. But there's a spirit DNA that transforms everything. And we're going to talk about that spirit DNA. It's the oxygen of the soul. It's the key that will transform everything in your life, that spirit DNA. It's wrapped up in four words. The four words are radical forgiveness, radical obedience, radical humility, and radical generosity. Now I'll be explaining those because this is the DNA of God. If you remember the blind man, when Jesus touched his eyes, he's tucked dirt and spit. Blind men did not like dirt and they didn't like spit. That's exactly what he gave them. But with the dirt and spit came a tremendous miracle. But there's a miracle and a revelation I'm going to share with you. Now, I'm going to tell you first a little bit about me. I was raised by an abusive, racist father who was a Jew hater. My mother was an Orthodox Jew. They got married. Seven children. He was from Alabama, but he hated Jews. He hated Jews. And he had an obsession that I was not his son. He thought my mother had an affair with a Jewish man and I was illegitimate. So the first time I heard him talking to her about that, I was four. I had no shoes on, I ran away. And I remember it, Jensen, because I was in the park and some people, old geriatrics were feeding the pigeons. They saw me crying, they said, here little boy, here's some breadcrumbs, you can feed the pigeons. I threw them down and I cried and ran and said, I don't wanna feed the pigeons. Well, I was hurting, and I didn't know why, but the father that I had went to church every Sunday. They called him Brother Bob. Old Brother Bob was sober on Sundays, but on Friday night, he was at the Twilight Cafe, and he walked there. How many ever met a drunk? Only two kinds of drunks. There's sweet drunks. They'll kiss a tree. They'll kiss a dog. And there's mean as the devil drunks. My father was mean as a devil drunk. He began abusing me at four. It continued. You know, you know what white chocolate is? Most of you don't know what white chocolate is. White chocolate is bad chocolate, gone, bad. I used to go to the dump and dig for food. I used to dig, and I, an old man saw me. I was afraid of the rats. He gave me a stick one time so I could beat the rat backs when I was digging for food. My father hated me. He never called me son. He never said, I love you. He never affirmed me once. He abused me. I remember one time I found a jackknife in the snow and I was so proud. I was eight. I, I, was, I was so proud of myself. He looked at daddy and said, boy, you're a liar. God hates liars. You stole that jackknife. If you found it in the snow, it'd be rusty. He took me down to the basement and stripped me naked and took extension cord in his hand and started beating me with that extension cord until I told the truth. He beat me until I was unconscious, until I went all over myself. He kept beating me. And I was trying to think of a lie because I knew I was gonna be dead unless I could come up with a lie to convince him to stop because he says, God hates liars. Now, this is my father. Because of that abuse, I walked with my head down. I didn't look a person in the eye. I had a speech impediment, I had a stomach ulcer, and I had a hundred fears. I was afraid of the dark, I was afraid of people. In school on a Tuesday, he said to the children, what do you want to be when you grow up? 
I did not want to be there that Tuesday because I didn't want to answer that. So I sat by the red bell and I stuttered and said, 20. Because my goal was to be alive at 20. I was sure he'd kill me before 20. Now, the testimony I'm sharing with you, I shared with the Pope. There's a picture of it. I was with Pope Francis and Israel's ninth president. That's it. And when I was with the ninth president of Israel, Shimon Perez, the Pope looked at me and he said in his Italian, you are a Jewish man. Tell me how you came to Jesus Christ. So I shared with the Pope what I'm going to tell you now. You can leave it on the screen for a minute. This is what I told the Pope. I said, my mother told me that Christians kill Jews. She said, Christians hate Jews. Jesus died. Don't dig him up. The Pope... Billy Graham and Adolf Hitler's all Christians. My mother told me that. She told me she named me after her grandfather, Rabbi Mikkel Katznelson, who was burnt to death in his synagogue with 2,000 Jews. And by the way, the synagogue that the Pope, that my grandfather was burnt to death in, that president's grandfather was the cantor rabbi of the same synagogue, a wooden synagogue in Vishnev, Belarus. As I'm sharing my testimony with the Pope, I said this. On a Friday night, I was sitting on the top of the stairs crying because I did every Friday night because that's when he'd come in between one or two in the morning. He'd sit her in a chair and he'd, he'd start it all over again. You're a whore and that's not my son. And he'd start slapping her and abusing her. And I could never defend her. I was, I was scared of him. But that Friday night, I got my courage up. And I screamed, stop it. And when I screamed, he ran up the stairs. He picked me up by my throat, way above my head. And he strangled me. I'll never forget looking in those eyes. I thought, I'm not going to make it to 20. It's over tonight. It's over. I passed out. I went unconscious. And I woke up on the floor in a fetal position. And when I woke up and realized I was alive, I was angry. I was really angry. And I screamed out at God in the dark, why was I born? It seemed like a joke. My mother's suffering because of me. This man hates me. Never called me son. Never said I love you. Never affirmed me. What happens to a kid like that? They end up a drug addict or alcoholic or murdering somebody or maybe worse than their own dad. But on the floor, covered with my own dried vomit, with my eyes shut, I saw a really bright light. And I thought it was my father with a spotlight to finish me off. So I threw my hands over my face, but it was quiet. My father was never quiet. Then I peeked through my fingers. And when I peeked, I saw two nail-scarred hands coming at me. The scars were way up high here. Then I saw the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen in my life. There were blues and greens in the eyes, dozens of colors. And you could see through the eyes. You could see eternity through the eyes. And they were smiling eyes. The first eyes I ever saw a smile of a man were the eyes of Jesus. And then he spoke. And the first thing he said was son. I'd never heard the word son. Then he said another word I never heard. I love you. 
I'd never heard that word before. I used to say it to my mom and she'd say, me too. She'd been abused too much. Then he'd said, I have a great plan for your life. He left. And when he left, divine affirmation hit me. The stomach ulcer was gone. The speech impediment were gone. The fears were gone. I didn't know what salvation was, but I was saved. I didn't know what deliverance was, I was delivered. I didn't know healing was, I was healed. I didn't know what the call was, I was called. I didn't know what being filled was, I was filled. I knew that I knew that I knew. Divine affirmation. But something happened to me, I said, God, over the years, I know you've got a great plan for my life. But God, how can I get it back? I want this divine affirmation again. When, when you hit me at 11, it ruined me for the natural. I want it back, Lord. And one day I opened my Bible to Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. And it says, behold, I do something new. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers of the desert. As I read it, I realized I've been circling scriptures all my life and dating them. And the Lord said to me, every word out of my mouth is still alive. They haven't died. They're waiting to be activated. Are you really ready to activate them? I said, how? He said, when you worship me with radical generosity, radical obedience, radical humility, and radical forgiveness, it's my DNA, it activates my promises. What? What? It activates them? He said, yes. I said, I'll do that. Well, the moment he gave me that one promise, he said, there's an assignment to that promise. I said, what is it? He said, ask the prime minister to meet with you in Jerusalem. His name was Menachem Begin. There's a picture of him up on the screen. He said, ask him to meet with you. So I go to Jerusalem and I meet with this man. Hold, keep it there a second. And I said, he says to me, why did you come? Well, I didn't know why I came. God just told me to come. He didn't tell me why. So I did the smart thing. I repeated the question. I said, why did I come? He talked for 10 minutes. Then he looked at me again. He said, why did you come? I said, why did I come? <laughs> 10 minutes later, he said, don't repeat the question. He said, do you know why you came? I said, no, I don't know. Do you know anything? I said, God sent me. He said, God sent you to meet with me and didn't tell you why. I said, no, sir, he didn't tell me why. He turned to his secretary, Kanishai, said, shake his hand. Finally met an honest man. Believes God sent him to meet with the prime minister and he doesn't know why. He said, Mike, do me a favor. When God tells you why, will you come back and tell me? This was on my birthday, by the way, the 30th of June. Well, the 4th of July, I'm in my room having my devotions. And I pick up the newspaper, the same one your pastor was on uh, minutes ago, Jerusalem Post. It's the story of the death of Yoni Netanyahu, the leader of uh, in Tibirate, Uganda. And the Lord says, go to the house and comfort the family. I didn't know those people. I just obeyed. I went to the house, knocked on the door. The old man came and I said, sir, you don't know me. I don't want to bother you. I just want to express my condolences. He said, come in and have some tea. 
As I'm drinking tea, a young man walks in by the name of Benjamin and he was 28 years old. And when I saw him, the spirit of God said, pray for him. He was in a deep depression over the death of his brother Yoni. And I said, Jonathan loved David. You love Jonathan. Out of the ashes of your despair will come strength from God and you will be the prime minister of Israel. That is Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel now. Now I must tell you what he said to me in Hebrew. What he said to his father in Hebrew wasn't so nice. He said, you let a moron in the house. His father said, not an ordinary one. This is the authentic moron. I went back to Menachem Begin on the 5th of July and I said, I met the prime minister yesterday. He said, no, no, you're mistaken. You met me on the 30th of June. I said, it's not you. And I told him the prophecy and asked him to give him a job. He did. Now think of what I just shared with you. This was just one scripture that got activated. I'm in Jerusalem one day and I'm invited to meet with a gentleman who's sitting in Albert Einstein's chair. His name is Israel Oman. He founded the Game Theory Society, the smartest mathematician living on the planet. And I was praying, I said, oh Lord, I need some help. I flunked algebra. Help me, give me favor with this man. So he said, I've only got 15 minutes and with him. I said to him, professor, you're a man of science and Nobel Peace Prize laureate, and also a man of faith. Tell me how you equate faith and science together. Oh, he said, that would be a good discussion, but I have no time. I only gave you 15 minutes. He said, uh, actually, I gave a lecture in Oslo on that, but it's in the computer somewhere. And the smartest mathematician couldn't calculate where it is in the computers. I can't even do it. But let me do something simple. Let me calculate the molecule, molecules in the lungs of Jesus taking into time, density and time, breathe in. You just breathe in 16 to 18 molecules out of the lungs of Jesus. But I can tell you where the lecture is. As I'm walking out the door, I mumbled 2029. He stopped me, he said, what did you say? I said, don't pay attention. It was probably just jet lag. No, 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 you said two numbers, 2029. 2029, I said, I don't know why. He called Oslo. He pulled up the computers. His lecture began at the top of the 20th page and ended at the bottom of the 29th. He said, I don't have a man on the planet who can do this. How did you do it? I said, the Ruach HaKodesh did it, the Holy Spirit. He said, there's a brand new field of science, the cerebral mind and the Holy Spirit. You have the rest of the morning. Let's talk. Now, every promise has an assignment and you can activate those promises. Listen, I spent two hours with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And when I was with him two weeks ago with his brother and his foreign minister, people said, how can you talk to people so boldly? It's easy. When you fear God, you don't fear man. You don't fear man. John 17, 22 says, this is Jesus and the glory, say glory. glory. The Hebrew word is kabod. 
It means heavy favor. We're talking about the favor of God. The heavy favor which you gave me, I've given them. That they may be one as we are one. So God is saying that the favor that I have will drive the engine of God. It's the currency of heaven. It defines your potential. The only problem with this revelation is that a lot of people are not hungry for God's affirmation. They've settled for other people's. And that's a problem. You can't, you, you can't take people out of that if they're satisfied. Well, I, I don't need, I need his affirmation. Let me tell you something. God has favorites. Hurting people are his favorites. One day I said to the Lord, Lord, I may be the most insecure person I ever met. And the Lord said, son, you know me in the fellowship of my suffering because you're willing to admit everything you're not. And because of that, you're going to know me in the power of my resurrection. And I'll take those two and put them together. I got tested. I got tested. 22,000 people were tested where I was tested. They said, you've rated the highest for the most secure person. You must have had a wonderful childhood. Your dreams may have been buried in discouragement, divorce, low self-esteem, sickness, crisis, being betrayed, being lied to. But your light afflictions are but for a moment. For him that worketh in you an exceedingly greater eternal weight of glory, kabod, favor. Say favor. When you activate the promises of God, you extinguish the fires of hell. You shake off serpents. You move mountains. You're empowered to do the invisible, to see the impossible. Listen, what Jensen Franklin and what you're doing in Jerusalem in the natural is impossible. It's the biggest underground commercial construction project in the city of Jerusalem. It's nine buildings connected. It's massive. How can you do something so big when you came from such a deep pit? Because Kings process pain and pleasure differently than priests. God said to me, this is a hundred year plan. And let me tell you something, when God gives you a hundred year plan, you hear the echo beyond the grave. You don't fear eternity because you're living in it. You're living in the light of eternity. One day I was looking on the desk of Ronald Reagan and I saw a sign. It said, a man can become too big in his own eyes to be used by God, but never too small, never too small. Radical humility. That's one of the things I love about your pastor. He stays real small in his own eyes and God uses him. When you understand the dynamics of this, you don't wanna be on the throne of your life. You want him to be on the throne. Somebody said to me one time, Do you know what that person said about you? 
aren't you offended? I said, no, I'm not offended. I said, why? I said, because I murdered the Lamb of God with my sins. Why in the world should I be self-righteous about anything else? He forgave me. With God's favor, you can accomplish anything. I meet with leaders all over the Muslim world and the world. With President Sisi in Egypt, I've been with him three times the last 14 months. And when I'm sitting with him, we talk about wisdom. Then we talk about God. Then we talk about geopolitical things. In the middle of one of the meetings, I said, I got to pray for you. I jumped up and went down, knelt and put my hands on his knees and prayed for him. I could see the tears flowing down his face. The favor of God. It's the most astonishing thing in the world. And the beautiful thing in the world, this isn't complicated. You've got 8,000 of these promises. What happens to a lot of hurting people is they disqualify themselves. Well, I, I, I can't do all that stuff because you don't know what, where I came from. Let me tell you something. I had a real struggle with this father of mine and the Lord said, I want you to give him a gift. What's that? Unconditional forgiveness. Whoa. So I did. I gave him radical humility, generosity, forgiveness, and obedience. I cared for him and loved him. He lived to be 91. And by the way, I led him to the Lord. You know how I led him to the Lord? I got on my knees and humbled myself and told him to put his hands on my head and pray for me. That's what the Lord said to do. And I could feel the hot tears, Jensen, running down my neck as he cried and said to me, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I can never be saved because what I did to you. He said, I hated you. I said, why? He said, I saw Jesus in you and I hated you. I despised it. My father, when he died, he left me everything. And Lord said, no, don't take it. I got six brothers and sisters. He said, Tell the attorneys you don't want to die. Divide it up to your six brothers and sisters. Let them have it. By the way, I preached his funeral. And I have to be honest with you, I didn't want to lie. He, he was really a rotten dad. And he was a rotten husband. But he was a war hero and he loved his mama. So I preached on the war hero who loved his mama. And honored him. Yeah, that was my dad. That was my dad. But I'll tell you something. My dad had a real hard time shaking off his racism. And I, 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 I couldn't buy into any of that. My dad used to say when I was growing up, the Jews are running the country and the blacks are ruining it. That was my father. You met people like him? Oh, brother Bob. Well, I had to put him in a nursing home when he was 90 and I, he lived in Alabama and I couldn't find the one I wanted, but I did find it in Georgia. He woke up the next morning and there wasn't a white face in that nursing home. He said, what did you do to me? I said, I was led by the spirit of God. I said, dad, if you make heaven your home, you're going to have to love these folks. Jesus died for them. God started this whole thing with a handful of dust and with just ordinary human beings. You know, you call them prophets, priests, and kings. But in the natural, they were just ordinary 
human beings, but they did something that wasn't ordinary. They activated the promises of God. They manifested radical generosity, radical obedience, radical humility, and radical forgiveness. My son, we, we, we both have great sons, but my son, Jensen knows him well. He's the CEO of the museum, Friends of Zion. He came to me the other day. We're sitting in Jerusalem in the apartment. He come to me, tears are flowing. He said, Dad, if the Bible was written today, you'd make the cut. <laughs> He's, he told me, he said, Dad, the greatest hero I have in my life is you. My greatest hero. Just let me serve you, Dad. Just let me serve you. Before my father died, he told me a story. He said he had this dream hundreds of times about black stones. He said his daddy had two that was given to him by his granddaddy. He gave them to him, the two black stones. But he said, when I tried to give them to you, you wouldn't take them. And there were white stones in your hand. What does it mean? I said, generation curses. Your grandfather was an alcoholic, racist, your father was the same way. You became the same way. But when you strangled me and left me for dead, Jesus put some white stones in my hand. Blessing, generation, blessing, no curses. And my son and his son will never know those curses. No, never know them. My father died on a Friday. The next Friday, Michael David Evans III was born. I got to tell you one more story and then I'm going to pray for you. My wife never plays the God card. How many know what the God card is? Well, my wife played it two times in me in our marriage. One day she come to me and she said, God told me we're having a son. We had three girls. I thought we were done. She said, no, God told me we're having a son. Well, sure enough, he's born. And I look on the bed and his, his name says Michael David Evans II. I said, wait a second, my name's Mike Evans. I'm not Michael and I'm not David. How can he be Michael David Evans? She said, God told me. I had to go to the judge and get my name changed. <laughs> I'm sitting in the courtroom with a bunch of folks and the judge says, why do you want your name changed? I said, please don't make me explain. I just want to be named after my son so when I grow up, I'll be just like him. <laughs> now I want to pray for you on all these campuses and I want to tell you something. I don't know anybody that was more messed up than me, that was more broken, discarded than me. But I don't know anybody that has more favor than I have. I know that. It's not because of me. It's because of him. But I have an obsession to want affirmation from the father. Nobody else. And the obsession of his affirmation will break you out of the pack. It will turn all your minuses into pluses. It'll cause your enemies to kiss you. They'll either die out or wear out but you'll shine like the stars. Just one person's obsession, his affirmation, nobody else's. But don't tell yourself because you're wounded, you're broken, you've been through stuff, you're disqualified, 
The only thing that attracted him to you was your stuff. He wasn't attracted by your righteousness, only your brokenness. Father, I ask you to send the favor of God. Father, there are prophets listening. There are priests and kings waiting for assignments. Father, the devil has told them lies that they can't, they won't. They're bound, they're cursed, they're robbed. Time has been their enemy, but he's a liar. Father, you see them and you say, you're my child, I know your name, and I have a great plan for your life. Father, let them hear it. Break them free of man-pleasing. Free them from fertility and all the frustration and the exhaustion that comes with trying to serve flesh. Lift them into a place of peace and healing and deliverance. Now, Father, all over these campuses, there are people who have resisted you, Jesus, because they've met people like my dad in some shape or form. But Lord Jesus, please cause them to lift their hand now and to say, Lord Jesus, come in my heart. Lord Jesus, I don't want to go there any longer. I don't want to be bound or defeated because of the meanness of religion. Take me out of this. Deliver me from this. Save me. Free me. I declare you, Lord, in my life. God, you can do it. You can do it. My brothers and sisters, there are tremendous promises crying out to you, just waiting for you to activate them, to give them assignment. Make up your mind that you're going to get small in your own eyes with radical humility. Make up your mind that you're going to manifest radical generosity. I want to tell you something. There's no pastor no pastor in America who's manifested more generosity, radical generosity for Jerusalem than your pastor and your congregation, your partners. Radical generosity is true. And yeah, you will be blessed. Yeah, you will be blessed. Make up your mind that you'll manifest radical forgiveness. Let me tell you what you don't have to do. You don't have to condone the person to forgive them. You don't even have to trust them. You can still have boundaries, but you can give them a gift they don't deserve. Radical generosity, humility, forgiveness, and the last one is obedience. You've got assignments from heaven that nobody else can fulfill. If you make up your mind, you want to. I want you to do something right now. I want you to lift both of your hands to heaven all over all these campuses. And I want you to say to the Lord Jesus Christ right now, I want you to say it 10 times, the word favor, over and over and over and over. Start saying it. Favor. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.